From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy. There he is. <laughs> on his axe, the great Johnny Gilbert. We need it today. We're running on fumes. It uh, is true. Ladies and gentlemen of the Jeffiverse, I'm Michael Davies here with producer Sarah Foss. Hello, welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. Uh, well, today, happening in the world of Jeopardy, we have just wrapped TOC. No spoilers here. No, no. Uh, whatsoever. But you're going to want to tune in when it happens, is all I can say. Yes. And it was a big day in the studio. It was a big week in the studio. First of all, you and I, Michael, were in the booth reviewing some audio yeah. in a moment in the game. And we came out and everyone was looking a little stunned. And we said, what happened? And sure enough, a 4.7 earthquake had just yeah, struck. Yeah, I thought it's just because I stepped on the stage too violently yes. uh, that it started shaking. But I realized it was an earthquake and, and we dealt with that. Uh, we also had so many VIPs. And yes. um, by VIPs, I mean uh, mainly former champions in the audience. It was amazing. Yeah, the amount of people there to support, whether it was their champions, wildcard winner, or just back because they wanted a front row seat to the TOC. We also had a woman in the audience who was actually in the audience during Ken's original run, which is 20 years ago this month when he first taped. And then another person was in the audience, a friend of Jerry Harvey. Yeah. And Jerry actually is the one who, you know, Ken defeated in his first game. And he said, I came here. I was a coach at UCLA. I brought my whole track team to see Jerry and you beat him. Yeah. But turns out Jerry is still doing well. Ken was asking about him. So it was just a great vibe in the studio all week for this TOC. We kicked it off, of course, Michael, with the honors at the beginning of the week, our Jeopardy honors. And we're going to dedicate next week's pod to all the honors highlights. Yes, this is the uh, the brainchild of producer Sarah Foss. It's her favorite night of the year. Yes. I like to, to think Jeopardy honors. And it was a wonderful event. We'll cover that uh, next week. I should say right now, I, I, we normally just talk about fashion when Buzzy Cohen is here. <laughs> but but Sarah, for the final day of the TOC, is wearing a, a, a white blazer and a blue is that a sweater, an undershirt? And uh, producer Carlos has pulled up on the screen, <laughs> Crockett and Tubbs. Uh -huh. And Don Johnson is wearing the exact same outfit yes. uh, on Miami Vice circa, uh, what, 1986, yes. 1987 I'm, was Miami Vice? I'm tapping into my 80s uh, look, and I am Sarah Crockett Foss today. I love it. Very good. We also just last week, of course, spoke to Juveria on the pod, and she went on to Twitter just after to say... I lost on Jeopardy on May 8th, 2023. Two competitions and seven games later, I'm headed to the Tournament of Champions. It's an unlikely story, and I'm still waiting to wake up from this dream. Thank you for all of your love and support on this journey. Then, in her own parliament in Canada, Ryan Turnbull recognized Whitby's own Jeopardy champion, so she's getting a, a standout at Parliament in Canada. Juveria certainly making the most of her Cinderella story and certainly was back with us this week for TOC. Another thing that's being discussed on Reddit right now, Michael, is the amount of contestants using the Sam Buttry Bring It. People are saying, is it too much? Should we have them stop? And none other than Sam Buttry was in the audience this week, and we heard a few Bring It's. 
Uh, yeah, are the producers getting tired of it? I used it during my Emmy speech, you so did. <laughs> uh, I'm not getting tired of it. I mean, we'll have to see. Does will it run its natural course, or will con- people continue to say it? It is. This is larger than us. This is. There are things that we can control as producers, but most of the times, there are things that we just can't. And so this will be decided by the the Jeopardy playing community. Well, Michael, shifting gears to JAT, last week we featured our first five quarterfinal games of Champions Wildcard for our final group of competitors of the six Champion Wildcards. This is the last group. We're now just a little over a week away in JAT from learning who our 27th Tournament of Champions competitor will be. And later in today's show, I will be joined by Champions Wildcard finalist and TOC alternate Andy Terrell. Can't wait to catch up with him. I hope you'll stick around for that conversation. But first, as always, it's time to take a look back at This Week in Jeopardy! History. This is Jeopardy! The IBM Challenge. Here are today's contestants. From Los Angeles, California, Brad Rudder. An IBM computer system able to rapidly understand and analyze natural language, Watson. And from Seattle, Washington, Ken Jennings. And now, here is the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. Thank you, Johnny Gilbert. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the deciding game in the IBM Challenge here on Jeopardy. What have I learned over the past two days? Three things. One, Watson is fast knows a lot of stuff and can really dominate a match. Two, Watson is capable of some weird wagers. If you'll recall the final Jeopardy on yesterday's program, the category was U.S. cities. You would think this would be a slam dunk category for Watson, and yet Watson wagered just $947 and got it wrong, and that's what it cost him. The third thing I learned is that Toronto is now a U.S. city. (laughs) What you're looking at, folks, are yesterday's scores. All right, let's get rid of those scores. The luck of the draw has given Watson the first selection today, so let's play the Jeopardy round. It was this week back in 2011 when Ken Jennings and Brad Rutter went up against their toughest competitor yet, supercomputer Watson. The history-making event consisted of a two-game total point affair, one of your favorites, Michael. Of course, Watson did prevail in that competition, Ken finishing as a runner-up, Brad in third place. Neither of them walked away a winner, but I think they both knew that it was something very special. They were involved in it, a very significant moment in time. And, you know, up until GOAT, this is why Brad Rutter was always able to say he never lost a game of Jeopardy to a human. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, we, I did say to you this week that two-game total point affair would be in Jeopardy Bar Trivia, which is something that I really want to work on. That would be my team name, two-game total point affair. I love it. We're getting a group together next week, so maybe we can use it, Michael. Okay. I don't know. Well, we kicked off the week of Champions Wildcard with Kate Campolita, Mira Hayward, and Jesse Chin. Kate and Mira battled early in the Jeopardy round, but Mira missed a $3,000 true daily double. Kate took a small lead heading into double Jeopardy. There, Mira went on a tear, and with the help of 15 correct responses and a correct true daily double, she was able to solidify a final 
clue runaway win in double jeopardy yeah and talking of final during mira's original appearance she told us that she was working on a podcast which helped her get fj correct and now she is hosting her own podcast Sarah, it's actually launching this week, History on Trial. Uh, She joked she's hoping for a final jeopardy about President Garfield's assassination. We'll Hmm. see. We'll see if that comes up. Moving on to Tuesday's quarterfinal matchup between Deb Bilodeau, Crystal Zhao, and Matt Harvey. Matt, coming off of his second chance victory, got out to a strong start with Deb close behind. He found both daily doubles in double jeopardy, although he only responded correctly to one he was able to maintain his lead heading into final. It was a triple stumper final. And Deb, with a savvy wager from second place, snuck in for the win. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about what Matt brought up, Michael, and that is his resemblance to Millhouse on The Simpsons. Yep, something I enjoyed. Immediately, I googled Millhouse. I can see uh, why the joke existed. And at the same time, Matt Harvey, you are a phenomenally good-looking and handsome man in real life. You don't need to be compared to anyone. Yeah, and he did get that hot nerd alert, you know, all those tweets in his run as well. Well, Ken caught up with our players after the game. Let's take a listen to what they had to say about that triple stumper in Final Jeopardy. I'm not ashamed to say I thought that was tough. That was yeah. a tough one, yeah. yeah was I, I was like Pinocchio, Kleiner. and I was like, that's not it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's where I was. I was yeah. like, Kleiner means little. Is there a guy named Klein? Yeah. yeah. I guess in hindsight, if you're short with somebody, you're curt you're with curt. them. Sure, but oh. he's not a small person, so I no. thought it was yeah. like going to be a small person. So and I, with a tough final like that, it's good to be in second place, Deb. You made the smart wager. Uh, for once, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I learned my lesson a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Is that something you learned after your first appearance? Yeah, I also learned to uh, eat more. Um, I think the, the last time I was real hungry and I was just looking forward to lunch. So. Oh, is that right? It was like a, you were playing late, low metabolism yeah. Jeopardy before. Uh, yeah. But Maybe that today. was a personal thing to share. I don't know. <laughs> well, whatever you did today, your regimen uh, worked. You advanced to the semifinals. Congratulations. Now, Matt, you had a big lead. The game kind of hinged on that second daily double. We yeah. now know in hindsight. Two, two big wagers, I guess, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, in final, it was, do I bet that she knows it or bet that she doesn't? Mm-hmm. And I figured, this is champions. Well, I'll kind of bet that she does. And had I gone with 5,300 instead, this would be a different story. I so. think it's always, you always want to bet, like, do they know it? Because yeah. you don't want the occasion of you get it right and still finish. And still finish, point. exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Congratulations, Deb. Thank you. We'll see you in the next round. Heading into Wednesday's game with Justin White, Lisa Sreekin, and Taylor Claggett. Taylor and Lisa battled through the Jeopardy round, but Lisa unfortunately lost $4,000 on the first daily double in double Jeopardy. And from there, Taylor just steadily built his lead, carrying it into final. We saw another triple stumper, and Taylor's minimal wager once again helped him secure the win. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Plus, they have the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. What I love about Shopify is how simple they've made it to grow your business. You can manage inventory, track payments, and view real-time insights 
all in one place. Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash jeopardy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash jeopardy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash jeopardy. Now back to Inside Jeopardy. And on Thursday's game with Alex Gordon, Ed Peterson, and Suzanne Goldlust, it was Alex who got off to a strong start, which he continued in double jeopardy. He found the first daily double. He goes all in for $9,200 to take a big lead, which he did maintain throughout. Suzanne worked to chip away at his lead and was able to stay within striking distance heading into final. Once again, though, Michael, another triple stumper. So it was Alex's minimal wager from the lead that allowed him to hold on to the win. Yeah, this game, it also featured our Super Bowl stars category with the CBS NFL uh, Today team. As we record this, uh, it is about to be Super Bowl Sunday, so NFL on everybody's minds. Yeah, it was fun to have that category. We actually had, you know, each of the various NFL Today guys talking about their positions and legendary players in those positions in the Super Bowl over the years. A lot of fun to feature them. We also had a lot of talk about the country music category for Final Jeopardy. The clue, it was kind of a prodding to myself to play it straight, said Johnny Cash, of this 1956 hit. Of course, all three players wrote Walk the Line, mainly reflecting the biopic, but really we needed I Walk the Line because that was the name of the Johnny Cash song. I know this is something the writers went over in that morning's meeting, and it was very clear that they would only accept I Walk the Line. Well, we closed out the week with Emma Hill, Kepron, Jesse Matheny, and Patrick Curran. This was a great game. Patrick put on a dominant performance in the Jeopardy round, ending with $11,000. In double Jeopardy, it was Jesse who was able to close the gap and overtake the lead with the help of a $4,000 daily double. Patrick took back the lead again with the help of a $6,000 daily double himself, and he maintained that lead heading into final. Emma from third place was the only player who was correct in final, but Jesse made a very strategic wager from second place, just narrowly securing the win with $107 to spare. Whew. I love one of the daily doubles in this show, Sarah. <laughs> a member of the House of Lords, Arthur Charles Valerian Wellesley, uh, holds the title ninth. This, the answer is the Duke of Wellington. Uh, little known fact about Michael Davies, one of my great, 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 great ancestors actually made the boots uh, for the Duke of Wellington. And so, uh, therefore, they could be the original Wellington boots, the original wellies. Wow. And we've been wearing a lot of them recently. Yeah, in Los I know, with the rain in Los Angeles. Who knew the Michael Davies connection? Yeah. Well, that does it for this week's game highlights, but it is now time for our host chat. An audience member asked Ken, do you ever miss competing as opposed to hosting in competitions like GOAT? <laughs> I was very stressed out. And you know why? I had seen James Holtzauer play on TV, and I thought, I don't want to play against that guy. He's very good at Jeopardy. I'll just, I'll just not play against him. But it was like Alex's last couple of years, and I wanted to play one more time, so I came back. I, I would say I am nostalgic for the thrill of competition, but the stability of this job is very nice, too. Yeah, this is a uh, question <laughs> that Ken gets a lot in various ways uh -huh. from the audience. And he has many ways he answers this question, but they all seem to go through the same theme, that he is undoubtedly retired. I always sort of wait to see, is he going to crack that open a little bit and decide that he wants to give up the host podium and, and, and come back and play against James one last time? But... I don't think it's happening. Yes, Michael, and it was just today that he did answer that question once again with a resounding 
no, he's going to stick to hosting, not competing. I know you have to run, so it's like passing ships right now. Bye to Michael, but it's time to welcome to the pod champions wildcard runner-up, Andy Terrell. Andy, come on in. Thanks for joining us. So exciting. I'm so so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, we're also in your new studio. Am I allowed to talk about that? Well, yes, Andy, you are one of the few contestants, other than Buzzy Cohen, who has been in the studio. This is cool. What's it like? It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I'm just excited. Everything's cool here. I'm so excited to be here. Just everything that's happened this week has been really amazing. And this is like a wonderful way to sort of cap that experience. Well, and for our listeners who don't yet know, because it may have not been released out there, Andy Terrell is our Tournament of Champions alternate. And, you know, this isn't your first time being an alternate, right? That's right. So I was an alternate back in the pandemic times in 2021 for the first ever professors tournament. Ah, where we hailed that wonderful Sam Bring It Buttry. Sam was the first Jeopardy contestant I ever met. I walked really? in the room and he, you know, you know, Sam, he's just so gracious. <laughs> he stood up. He's like, hey, I'm Sam. And, and that whole group, though, we got really close, I think, because of the pandemic, weirdly, we were going through this weird thing together. We were eating in the parking garage. Oh, we were, those were dark days, <laughs> those Andy. were dark days, and we're all still pretty close. I mean, you know, we live in different places, but we all we have our own little, you know, Facebook group, and we're always chatting about things. And, and Sam came back to be in the audience for the TOC, and I got to sort of have a reunion with him, and that was super fun. We went out and talked about the old times. The old times. Well, let's bring it back to the old days. Of course, you did do that alternate stint, and you... Did you pick up a few things? Because then we called you back to be a regular contestant, of course. You know, I think I picked up mostly how to just try to maintain calm. You know, you don't get a lot of time practicing or anything like that. I think some people are like, oh, you were an alternate. You were like right there. You're kind of waiting in the wings the whole time. Um, And so it's not that you get any technical things, but just practicing waiting and trying to keep yourself at that that middle level where you're not too hyped because you don't know when you're going to go on or you know you're you you don't let it, let it get too low i was just had to be in that middle level the whole time cuz maybe you know hopefully not right that's the thing about being an alternate it's right. like a weird like you don't want to go in because that means something's happened but you know it might happen you never know and so you're just trying to be in that middle space where you're like stay calm be ready but also just cheer on your friends cuz that's the thing everyone gets so close and it's exciting just to watch them it's so much better now that we're in the green room and not like sort of sequestered <laughs> for COVID to be able to watch them and, and sit with other folks and, and say, oh, so cool. Or, oh, you know, it's an unbelievable experience. It's been so fun. Well, when we did call you back, you show up on that day and there's this this champion. He's doing he's doing all right. His name is uh, Chris Panula. What was it like to show up and see, wow, you know, if I play today, chances are I'm going to go up against someone who's who's becoming a super champion. I'm sorry, Chris who? Right. Yeah, I know. It's a distant memory. (laughs) No, no. It was uh, daunting. It was uh, mostly seeing it because I it was a few games in and I'd seen him play other people and I was like, oh, wow. And I remember just saying this, this will have been an honor to have done this. And I said to as I was leaving the other folks, I said, yeah. If, if I can be, I think what I said is, if I can be the Buster Douglas, and that was the guy who beat Mike Tyson, I believe, if I can be that person who just gets lucky enough to, to have a good game, I will be super happy. And that's exactly what happened. Then I ran into two really excellent players after that in Tammy and Ron, and the, just like that, it was silver. It's hard. You, you know, you get off the stage, and it's like quick 
quick wardrobe change and yeah. get back out there. Hey, champ, know? turn around and go do it again. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, Mitch says, hey, champ, but then you got to yeah. get back up exactly. on the stage. But one thing, in addition to now for the rest of your life, knowing you can go around saying, I'm a Jeopardy champion, you also get to say, I'm a giant killer. Uh, that's true. But, you know, he's just a... He's just a good guy. He's just a nice guy. And in the end, I think that's what I learned from all of all of these experiences. Everyone here is brilliant. You know, of course, he was especially accomplished. But in the end, you know, he was very gracious. He's a nice guy. We got to sort of reunite now. And it, that was nice. And I like to look back on it as like I played against a great. He was wonderful. I had a good game. I, I, you know, it's always there's always a bit of luck. You know, the board, who gets double jeopardy? Do you happen to know final jeopardy? There are all kinds of components. And in the end, you've gotten to do a really cool thing with a lot of really wonderful people. That's kind of what I take away from it all. Well, and I think if we've learned anything from Second Chance and Champions Wildcard that you came back from, it is just that. Everyone who's playing this game has what it takes to win. It's a game of a bit of luck. You know, you just sliding doors moments. If you exactly. pick one versus another and it's a daily double or it isn't. Exactly. I always say we could take the same three champions or players and play the same game and still have a different outcome. It really is that experience. And I think that's what's so wonderful is all of you know that. You all know that just because you walk away a winner in one game doesn't mean that you're necessarily any better of a Jeopardy player than your opponents, but you're all there rooting for each other because you also know how that feels to know you get to live to play another game of Jeopardy. And I know that's what everyone who plays on that stage wants. Absolutely. And it's it's so fun to to be able to be with friends again and Juveria. It was only a few weeks ago that we <laughs> that we were in that final for the, the Champions Wildcard. And it, what's cool about it is it's it's just like I got to to travel with a friend and do something fun together. And I had the the honor of meeting all kinds of other wonderful people, of course. But you know, the, especially the folks you've been through it with before, it's like I get to root them on. That's so so wonderful. And and I get to meet new friends, and it's the best part, I suppose. Well, and you went up against. Two wonderful folks in Lloyd C. and Martha Bath in the semifinals of Champions Wildcard. I have to ask you, you were the one who was correct in the Scarlet Pimpernel, and you hadn't read it, but you said you were going to pick it up and start to read it. Have you done that, Andy? I have to ask. I don't know if, if anybody knows this, and I hope, Lloyd, I hope it's okay that I tell this story, but I got back to my office. I I was off to Rome to teach right after. In fact, I missed my first day of teaching for Jeopardy. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, so I, my students were very understanding. and I had a co-teacher who sort of, you know, led the class that day, so they were not let loose in Rome. But um, I, you know, I got back probably a few, a few weeks later and got to my office and there was a package waiting for me and it was a copy of the Scarlet Pimpernel and inside Lloyd uh, has had written a very kind message. I'll keep that part between us, but what a just a wonderful person, right? To like, you know, to be so gracious about that. Yes. And and I have I have started reading it now. Okay. It's you know, the kind of thing I picked up through through the osmosis of reading about, you know, history, about literature. It, you do have these moments, I think, sometimes where you're like, oh, that was just a guess. Or, yeah. you know, like someone else probably deserved that because they knew this. But that's how it is. You know, there are all these stories, You, especially if you are there as an alternate, you get to hear the the banter afterwards. And a lot of people say it's like a slumdog millionaire moment. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. oh, well, I just happen to be in this situation or, you know, I know this because. And, yeah, it does kind of underline the the. Well, a bit of luck. You know, they happen to ask a question that is, is stuck there in somewhere in my brain. 
I love that Martha said, you know, she was going to give you and Lloyd a run for your money, but she knew at some point those young guys were going to get her. And you said, Martha, I was terrified of you coming into this game. <laughs> of course. How can you not be? And she, I mean, I think that 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 is, she's very humble. And, um, but she, she was very, I mean, obviously one of the sharpest people out there and with, with a lot of experience. And, um, yeah, I think we were both lucky to escape Martha, to be honest, but that's it. Everybody's lucky. I mean, you look to your left and you look to your right, most of the time on any given question, everyone's trying to buzz, or at least two of you are trying to buzz. And it comes down to that buzzer speed, the timing, you know, you get into a funk or you get into a hot streak. Yes. And I think, you know, any one of us in the right moment in, in any game could, could come out the victorious. So it's, you know, a bit of luck and Martha's wonderful. Martha, how do you, how do you not root for someone how like Martha? How do you Martha? not love Martha? Yeah. I know. She's, she's on a wonderful trip right now. We know that she is enjoying Egypt and Jordan. So she told me after the <laughs> Champions Wild Card, you know, Sarah, I really, I couldn't really have won because I have a fabulous trip planned. <laughs> so it's a good thing that, you know, Andy eliminated me. But one thing you've done throughout is you've been so humble time and time again. You, I don't deserve this. <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. And that is something I have noticed from a lot of our champions this season. It's almost like an imposter syndrome of sorts. Well, I think it's it's just the realization when you've played enough, I've had six games now, you start to appreciate, like, from home it looks like, you know, the person who buzzed in was the one who knew it and, and went and got it right. And, every, you know, you, you have all these assumptions and then you get there and you're like, everyone... It, it is. It doesn't feel like it. Even in a runaway, it's a game of inches because a runaway is often, especially these days with the way people play, it's hitting a daily double, happening to know that daily double, doubling up, and then before you know it, it's a runaway. But if you're playing it, you're like, this was close until it wasn't right, really close. And it mm-hmm. could have gone, maybe if someone else had hit that daily double, they would be the runaway. And so, you know, maybe it's a bit of imposter syndrome. I think we all have that at times, but I think it's also just an appreciation for how closely matched almost everyone is. And I know it's fun at home to think of super champions as, you know, they have this superhuman ability and well, perhaps some of them do. You know, I've, I've, you know, played some really amazing people though, who I thought this person could easily have rattled off 10, 20 games to, given the right circumstances. So I just, you know, you keep that in mind that we're all kind of lucky to be here to begin with. What an amazing privilege. And sometimes some of us get a little bit luckier and happen to have a good board or happen to be, you know, in the right mental state to, to have a really excellent game. And in the end, it's it's just a cool thing to have been able to do, especially if, you know, I've always loved trivia. I've always loved, you know, just reading and uh, finding out a cool fact. And if, if you spent your life loving that stuff, what an amazing way to be able to, to say, wow, the last you know, 40 years or whatever it's been, we won't get too specific about age. <laughs> you know, I've been like building up the, this store of knowledge, not really consciously, not trying, not thinking this is for trivia, but more, oh, it's cool to know that the world has so many amazing facets and there's so many things to learn about it and there's more to learn. It's wonderful. And it's such a joy and privilege to be able to then find other people who feel the same way. I think that's been, for me, to observe the best part is that you know, you come to this point in your life and you have been a person who's loved knowledge and then you're instantly just thrust into this community, <laughs> this wonderful, wonderful community of people who share your interests and are supporting you. Yeah. I mean, you know, last night, several of us went out and just did bar trivia. Because I love it. Please tell me you won. We didn't win, but I will say that we were close and there were several Jeopardy alums playing. Were you at O'Brien's? We were at O'Brien's. Okay. Well, and that, so we felt that... like there was, I will not name names, but there was a 
there was a super champ playing there. Okay. And um, and we were very close. Um, All right. But I like more it. than that, put like, up a fight. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. We didn't come away thinking, oh, we we didn't win this. We were just like, this is fun. This is this is kind of where it all starts. The love of trivia, being out in the bar, that will be a highlight too. I know this is a weird thing to say when I'm at the tournament of champions, but going out with my friends and doing a bit of bar trivia is one of the highlights too. Well, the last time you were competing was, of course, in Champions Wildcard in the finals. And, you know, you've been great at Final Jeopardy. In day one of the finals, you're the only one that comes up with Adelaide. And you're going into day two, and it's it's looking pretty good after it had seemed like Juveria was really, you know, running away with it. I mean, I don't think I ever thought it was looking really good because <laughs> Juveria is so quick on the buzzer. I thought I will have to be quicker, and and I wasn't. And, you know, that was in a way freeing. I came away from that like, look, she just beat me. She was better. And, you know, sometimes you come away and think, if I only I had done this, if, I can't believe I missed that. And I, that's a real thing and that a lot of people feel, and for good reason sometimes, like, wow, it was just a blunder. No blunders. She was just better. I was happy for her. I mean, and, you know, and as someone who proves that anyone, you know, can mm-hmm. have a bad day initially and uh, or be against an amazing person like Hannah. Hannah Wilson, of right? course, yes. You know, or some combination of the two. Like maybe Juveria wasn't on the top of her game then. I don't want to speak for, for, I didn't, I don't remember that game, you know, exactly. But, you know, Hannah's amazing and the luck of the draw who, who you're up against. And I think that's one of the better things. I know there's controversy about like whether people like these tournaments or not. But one of the things that's shown is that any number of people who weren't one of those super champs in the past could easily go on a big run. Um, and Javerio was <laughs> as difficult <laughs> as it gets, as difficult as it gets for sure. Yeah. And you said, are we still taping? Because uh, I just, she's the best player I've ever played against. And then, you know, nothing against Chris. But in that moment, I think that is what you were feeling. Yeah. You know, and it, I was torn because I, I know that I know how, how the Internet often often reacts uh, or, yes, the or the sun. <laughs> the, <laughs> feel, sun. the sun. It wasn't meant to shade against Chris at all because he was also like, but in that in that moment, it felt like impossible to get in against her. She was getting everything right. It felt like, wow, I, it didn't feel close. And I, I was lucky to get that final Jeopardy. It, it brought me back into the game, but she was a, a total force to be reckoned with. And I, you know, it was a, it was a pleasure to see it. Even as it's like my hopes are dwindling, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm watching like one of the greats. It, it was it was totally amazing. And, and I, I was happy for her. I honestly was. I mean, you know, I've had good luck in Final Jeopardy. I've I uh, somebody told me that you might ask something like, "What's your your best stat?" And I was trying to come up with something because yeah, I, I don't know. This is a buzzy question, but I want to know what is it, Andy? What's your favorite stat? It's both maybe uh, something to be proud of, I'd like to say, but also something that tells you like there is there is like luck of the draw. Uh, in every all the six games I've played, I was the only one to ever get Final Jeopardy correct. Now, wow, caveat. <laughs> Two of those games were triple stumpers, so <laughs> it's a That's bit. That's <laughs> okay. That's okay. It's still a good. It's still they a were good tough stat. ones, those triple stumpers. But yeah, I, but it's also a sign of like I got lucky. You know, I got some Final Jeopardy questions that I happen to know, and and maybe they were tough ones, and maybe I can be proud that I got tough questions, but. One person's toughest clue is another person's easiest. That's that's the thing about Jeopardy. Exactly. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't think that there were flashy stats otherwise. You know, I was never, I'm not a big trainer or anything. I'm not, I I, I didn't even know people trained, to be honest, before (laughs) I found out that people have flashcards and they're, you know, playing, playing against other Jeopardy players online and things like that. And, you know, the closest I got to training was like, oh man, I really have never, 
now I'm going to offend other people, care that much about the British monarchy. So I better go back and like read about the, especially the ones way back in time, like, you Mm -hmm. know, some of the more obscure ones. That's the only thing I was like, but I got a book and I was like, I'm going to read a book. It never occurred to me like, oh, I should get some flashcards or I should. To me, it's just like, oh, I'll know them or I won't know them. And um, no flashy stats there, I don't think. I just, you know, I've had some good games where I didn't miss many and. I don't, I don't know anything about the Jeopardy stats anyhow. So people were always talking about these things. And I was like, is that good? Is that bad? But that's one that I remember. It's like, oh, I've gotten, I've gotten pretty lucky with Final Jeopardy. And that's pretty cool. Well, that's really impressive knowing that. And also knowing, yes, Juveri was so strong. But you did come in as the second place finisher in that Champions Wild Card. You're here as an alternate to the Tournament of Champions. So maybe it's not flashcards for you. But whatever you're doing is working. Well, I, I guess so. <laughs> you know, for now, um, maybe maybe this is it, right? But it, it has worked, and and it's allowed me to have wonderful experiences, and that's, to me, the, the best thing of all is I have great memories and great friends coming away from this. Okay, you have played so many times, and it was only recently on Champions Wildcard that I realized your name is Andy Terrell and not Andy Terrell. How did you not correct us all that time, Andy? It's been a whole life of... (laughs) And the truth is, I slip up sometimes because so many people pronounce it that way. And it's not anybody's fault. It's that my ancestors couldn't spell it all. And you see see the Terrells around the U.S. and there's T-Y and T-E and T-I. We just couldn't spell. I don't know. It's a good thing we... This isn't spelling bee, right? Or else I might be in trouble. So... I, you know, Terrell, Terrell. I actually, it's so funny you should say this because a, a friend from high school called me and I was like, oh, this is nice. You know, they're, <laughs> they're going to call and congratulate. And of course that, but then they were like, a bunch of us are gathered here and you have to settle the bet. How do you pronounce your name? And I was like, because I also... Johnny Gilbert is saying something <laughs> different than what we think. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, my good buddy Wayne, um, back where, where I, I grew up for some time in Florida, uh, called me up and, uh, we had a laugh about that, and I, I don't really mind either way. But you know, my family says Terrell, but it doesn't doesn't really matter that much to me. All right. Well, we are a show that likes to get things accurate. We are we are a show that likes truth and facts and knowledge. And I apologize that we we may have just done it a little differently for the first few games. <laughs> no apology necessary. Factors ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. So your son you've spoken about is young, probably not yet dialed into the fact that you are, you know, this Jeopardy champion. What do you hope to show him in the future? What do you hope he thinks about when he sees that dad's, you know, made his way on the Alex Trebek stage? Yeah, he is young. He, he just turned five. He was he was four when most of the time, and th- actually 
was two the first time it went on Um, so he was unaware of anything then but recently he's become more aware although he can't really get through a jeopardy game without like starting to play with a toy or something he's like yes i know that i know that (laughs) he's he he at one point he said when we were watching one it's just humans talking (laughs) i was like that is right it's just humans talking but one thing that i think is it's actually if if i've studied it at all it's been because he likes these books like weird facts about animals you know a thousand you know strange yes. things about this or that yes and honestly i was like it hasn't actually come up in any of my games but i thought one of these things could come it up could. you know yes and what i what i hope he'll see is that it's worth learning about the the world for its own sake and maybe you get to do something fun with it and maybe it it helps you later as a as a teacher you know as a, as a college professor i, I always uh, cringe when students say well i use this later and the, the answer, I think, is always yes, but not in the way. Maybe you won't monetize it later, right? Maybe mm-hmm. you're not going to make a lot of money off of this, but will you use it in that it will give you a richer understanding of the world? It will make you appreciate things differently. And you'll be able to pass on knowledge to other people, which is how humans throughout history have, you know, bettered our our station is like passing on knowledge, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants. And um, I don't know. I uh, I hope he comes away with that. Like. You know, whatever he decides to do, I hope it involves a, a love of learning and um, appreciating that the world is this like, kind of magically diverse, interesting place. And it's it's all the better if you can widen it as much as possible and open the world in all its secrets instead of, you know, having this sort of closed, very insular understanding of what matters in the world. Um, I hope that's what he comes away with. Well, sitting here with you, I'm thinking how lucky for your son, but how lucky for your students to have a professor that looks at the world and the profession that you do in that way. That's just such a gift. No, I feel lucky because they keep me curious. They're always asking good questions. I love that you know, college students, especially the ones who are just coming into college, they're, they're at an age where the world is all of a sudden widening for many of them. You know, some of them are well-traveled before that. It's a big privilege. A, you know, a lot of them aren't. And it's a moment where they're like, wow. And they have so many really excellent questions. And it takes new generations to ask the right questions for our times. You know, we, we tend to, as we get older, get a little calcified. And we think we know how the world works and what's best. And it takes younger people coming in and saying, actually, couldn't we do this? Or maybe this isn't a good idea anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I hate to see the sort of generational conflict that, that, that is around right now where people are like, my way, no my way, and it, it tends to break along those lines, or sometimes does at least. Um, there's so much that you can offer in both directions. There's a wisdom of having a lived life and seeing the world, and then there's also the, the, the fresh eyes and saying, could we do this differently? Is there a better way of doing this? Can we improve... Um, so for me, being being part of that and seeing students open up to it is is just a real pr- pleasure and privilege. Well, and this is what happens anytime we sit down with one of you Jeopardy champions and we get to, you know, dig a little deeper and find out this is why you all are such a beautiful community. We're in JPT. We talked about it. You are here for the Tournament of Champions. Obviously, we won't reveal anything that has happened. But no. like me, you have a front row seat into this tournament and it's been a wild ride. It has. I don't know how to talk about it without talking about it, but sure. just it's so <laughs> wonderful to watch. There are moments that, you know, of course you're close with some people and there are moments where you're, you're like, oh, I hope this or I hope that. But in the end, you're like, 
these are just great, great folks. And whoever comes through, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to, you know, support them. It's a supportive community. And we all become close. So in the end, it is all friends, I'd like to think. Um, but it, being, having the front row seat, it's, it's pretty amazing, especially a front row seat next to your <laughs> friends who are also competing. And you get to, right. like, you know, we're back there answering the questions ourselves. We're back there, like, rooting everyone on in the green room. And, um, wow, what a what a cool thing to have done. I... I yeah, I really can't believe I'm here. It's you know my fourth time coming out, and I still can't believe I'm here every time. And so, um, wow, it's just it's just amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Well, and there's so many people who want to come and see the Tournament of Champions that we actually have overflow on the Wheel of Fortune set. We're playing it on the monitors over there. Even some of our champions who aren't playing are going over there. And at lunch, everyone was telling me, oh my goodness, we're just like you said, we're calling out the responses. We're having so much fun just watching these games. And these are people who have been defeated and aren't moving on. And they're just like yeah. you. They're just enjoying it and supporting the people that they may have played against or that they've watched. And it's just, it's a TOC party back there. It is. And, and you know, <laughs> past champions or even past just players have been coming back and getting to meet them and it's like now connecting you know somebody will be like oh i played against this person you're going to meet them i know it is it is kind of a a, more of a community than i i certainly understood as as a fan before before i started doing this thank you so much for joining us here in the pod and thanks for for being back we're so happy to have you a part of our jeopardy family andy Uh, thanks for inviting me for inviting me to do this for for everything Uh, thanks to to jeopardy this has just been such a wonderful memorable and life-changing, mostly in terms of the great community I've been able to join. It's just a real privilege and pleasure. Thanks so much. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Join us next week as we highlight the rest of our Champions Wildcard quarterfinals and, of course, the first semifinal game. Plus, we will be talking all things Jeopardy! Honors. See you then.
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.